following message is a presentation of Valley Metro Church, a community of believers dedicated to knowing God and making Him known. I'd love for you to, uh, to imagine this morning, imagine that there is this amazing script that was written. It's a masterpiece. It's a play, and you're in it. And the play is opening on Broadway. It's opening night, and you're in it. It's not your part yet. You're still waiting. But in the middle of this play, as this play is unfolding on opening night on Broadway, the crowd is absolutely mesmerized with this play. They, they are completely mesmerized. And as you're waiting backstage for your part, all of a sudden, the director comes up to you and taps you on the shoulder and says, here's where you come in. And that's where you come in and you enter the scene. And you become a key part for the whole rest of that performance. That whole mesmerizing script that was written, that's where you step in, but you only step in once you've been tapped. And you're told by the director, here's where you come in. God is our director. And God would like to tap some of us this morning. Put his hand on us and say, hey, here's, here's where you come in. And the amazing thing about the Bible and the history of the church is whenever people came to terms with this, the calling of God, the the recognition of God tapping them and saying, hey, this is where you come in. This is where everything takes on a whole different story and lives on a whole different way. In fact, the Bible was transformed when Jesus sat down with the believers and says, guess what? Tag, you're it. Take the baton. This is where you come in. We're looking at a passage of scripture today, which is exactly that. It's this tipping point, this hinging point, where everything that you read about in the book of Acts and the whole New Testament hinges on what Jesus says right here. If you read the Gospels and you don't read this last passage in the Gospels, you miss the whole point. In fact, if you read the Gospels and you understand them, but you, you miss this part, you can't even connect the rest of the book of Acts to what Jesus did. You're like, how did it turn out that way and why? You miss a crucial part. Kind of like this if you went to a, a movie and as you're watching the movie, you get up to go get some popcorn. You come back and the movie looks like a whole different movie. You're like, what happened here? It's completely different. What did I miss? Oh, I can't explain it to you. You'd have to watch it again. You missed a really key part. It was a key part and the whole story flipped on this key part. We refer to this part as the Great Commission. You guys familiar with it? The Great Commission. There's a couple of great things that are suggested in Scripture, and one is the great commandment of love, great commandment of love, love God and love others. That's an easy one, the great commandment, and then the great commission. And I'd suggest if there's only a couple of things we understand about the Bible, that'd be a great place to start. Love God, love love others, and then this part of the great commission. And I'd like us to look at it, if you have your Bibles, Matthew 28, we're going to jump in and and look at this great commission. I want to remind you that the director, the ultimate director, God Almighty, is wanting to tap some shoulders and say, Psst, hey, here's where you come in. Here is where you 
Come in. Don't miss out on it. Don't miss out on it. This is Jesus' final message. We see uh, three years of Jesus' teaching. Sermon on the Mount, raising the dead, healing the sick, sight to the blind, recovery of hearing for the deaf, the mute is speaking. He's raising the dead. He's teaching love. He's modeling. He is the new covenant. He is God with us. Emmanuel, walking in flesh for three years. Then says, guys, I came for a bigger mission than just what I'm doing here. The big mission is the cross. I'm about to take away the sins of the world you're not going to understand when it happens, but listen, I'm telling you so that you'll know this is what's going to happen. They're going to turn me over. I'm going to be crucified, but in three days I will rise. And sure enough, as we've been looking at lately with Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday, Jesus did in fact that. He gave himself up for the sins of the world. Did it on his own. He did it on his own. No one took his life. He says, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down, but I have the authority to pick it back up again, which no one in history ever said but Jesus. So he lays it down. And he picks it right back up again. Absolutely beautiful. And the apostles, the, the disciples were blown away. We looked recently at all the different appearances of Jesus, the resurrected Jesus in the New Testament. Uh, the Bible lists like seven different appearances uh, to them at different places, different times. Corinthians says even 500 people at one place at one time where Jesus appeared to them. So at this part in the story, Jesus says, listen, I'm going to go back to the Father. You wait till Jerusalem till you receive power from on high because I'm going to send you my spirit because I'm not about to give you a, uh, an assignment that I won't empower you for. If I'm going to give you an assignment, I'm going to empower you for your calling. And here is the part where the gospels transition into the book of Acts and the rest of the Bible and it's hinging on this radical uh, great commission. It's, it's amazing. So uh, let's read it and then we'll unpack it if we could. Uh, Matthew 28 verse 16. It says, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus said to them, came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Now, this is that statement that if you were watching the movie and you missed this part, you you wouldn't be able to figure, how did it end up like this? It all hinges on this radical Great Commission, this thing we refer to as the Great Commission. And I'd like to take it apart in pieces because what Jesus is doing here is listing some things for them that also apply to us that if you and I are going to have successful mission in our lives, there's some key, uh, keys right here that if we pick these up along the way, we too will be successful in our mission as well. He tells the disciples to go to Jerusalem, go to, uh, excuse me, Galilee. Go to Galilee and there's a mountain there and wait for me. Now, they could have done a lot of different things. They could have wondered about it. They could have taken their time. But followers of Jesus, there's something that they have in common. Uh, the one thing that they have in common is we want to do what Jesus wants us to do. Um, and they go to the place where Jesus tells them to go. And if we're not obedient to Jesus with the simple things, like a little bit of direction, there is no way we're going to get in on the big picture. There's no way we're going to get on this master plan and see radical, profound, and amazing things in our life. The whole mission begins 
with be obedient to the last thing he told you. I want to ask you this morning, and you might want to write it down because sometimes we need to remind ourselves, what is the last thing God did tell you? Maybe he spoke to you this morning. Maybe it was three years ago, the last time you really sensed hearing his voice. I don't know. But what is the last thing God told you? Because if we're not being obedient to that, and we do this often, we sometimes think we can discount that and God's just going to give us something else. And I think God's saying, hold on. Go back to the place. Go back to the place where I last met you, where I last spoke to you. What's the last thing I told you? We got to be obedient to the last thing God said to us. You might ask, search your heart on that and say, God, am I being obedient to the last thing you told me? Because there's a whole lot uh, that hinges on it. But everyone who gets in on the mission has this one thing in common. And that's that they were right where Jesus wanted them to be. They were in a place where Jesus asked them to be. Um, And they weren't there by happenstance. These followers are like, Jesus, you want us there? That's where we're going to be. And and if you're a note taker this morning, you want to write down some keys to a successful mission uh, the first one is to be where Jesus wants you to be. And that's important. You've got to be where he wants you to be. God wants to move. His spirit wants to move in people's life, in places, at times. And he's amazing this way. He sees in 3D. He sees past, present, future. God's not limited by time. He sees everything. And that's why it's key for you and I to be where Jesus wants us to be. And if we're not willing to be where he wants us to be, we're going to miss out on some of this radical stuff, this life-changing stuff that is included in this thing we call the Great Commission. Not only be there, but be all there. Be all there. You ever talk to somebody and you're talking to them, but you can tell they're thinking about something? You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you're technically having a conversation, but you know, they're thinking, that, that kind of thing. Or maybe you've been in that situation where you're talking to somebody, but you're thinking about, be there, but be all there. Where is Jesus calling you to be? Be there and be all there because that is something that everyone that you read in the rest of history in the book of Acts, they were willing to be where Jesus wanted them to be. Jesus told uh, uh, Philip, hey, go down to that road for what? Don't worry about it. I got something for you to do. Okay, I'm going to go down to the road and wham, he meets this guy and a whole nation is changed. Why? I don't know the big picture, but I'm willing to be where Jesus wants me to be. Amen. And if we're willing to be where he wants us to be, radical stuff happens. You can look at Peter's life. He's like, hey, there's a centurion. I want you to go up. Go where? To who? To what? Don't worry. Just, just go. Okay. I'll be where you want me to be. The Spirit of God falls on this Gentile household, and the entire book of Acts is turned on edge. Even the apostles are going, what did God do? Even the apostles couldn't figure that out. They're like, unbelievable. That is radical stuff. Why? Because he was willing to be where God wanted them to be. It's, it's really a key component to getting in on the fullness of, of the commission. Only the available get in on the mission with Jesus. And we've said before that your greatest ability is your availability. Your greatest ability is your availability and being available to God for what he wants to do and when he wants to do it, simply being available. You might ask yourself that question this morning too. Am I available? Ask yourself that. I mean, really, between you and God, are you really available? If Jesus wants to call you on mission, like, I really want you to go to Trader Joe's after the service, and there's a cashier down there who you have no idea what she's going through, but I do. I saw her last night. I heard her cries. I see her pain, and she almost checked out of this world, and no one knows it. I know it. I love her. Will you go? That kind of thing, like, 
I don't know why. I think I'm supposed to go to Trader Joe's. That shouldn't be weird. That should be the normal kingdom of God. That sort of thing. We don't have to know the detail. We don't have to figure it. You don't have to explain to somebody how or what. That, that sort of thing, as children of God, to be locked in with the heart of our Father, where we're like, I don't fully have to understand it, but I, I sense you want me to go somewhere. I want to be obedient to that and leave the rest to you, God. And so the Bible is full of stories, and I trust in your life there are many stories like that, where we were where God wanted us, or else somebody else was, and as a result, change happened. And God is a changer. He's a transformer. He's redeeming that which was lost. And there's a lot of stuff that was wrecked from the fall that Jesus is putting his hand on and redeeming along the way. But he happens to choose to use people like us just like he did back then. That's a theme that is overarching. The, 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 the span of history is God partnering with people like you and I to redeem things along the way. And that's what the commission is all about. So availability is where it starts. Then it says in verse 17, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. They worshiped him, but some doubted. Now, what's important about that is the disciples are all in the same place, seeing the same thing, having the same experience. But here's what's interesting. A group of people can have the same experience and see the same thing, and yet have a different response to that. Isn't that interesting? They're seeing the same thing. They're not like, did you see what? No, I didn't see. Tell me. They're all seeing the same thing. They're all seeing the resurrected Jesus. They're all hearing his impartation. And they're all there. They're all smelling the same air, sensing the same wind. They're all seeing the same Jesus and yet having some different responses floating around. Um, Some experience, same experience with different... um, conclusions, and this is why sometimes we can walk in in faith, which is a choice, or we can walk in our our feelings. And Jesus is at a point saying, hey, I've been with you for three years. I'm, I'm about to go. I'm going to the Father. And some of them, they stop right there. What? They, they stop right there. What, what do you mean? You, you can't leave. I mean, oh, what are we going to do? It's, they stopped. They could not even go forward in faith. They stopped. And others are like, we trust you. You've taken us this far. We trust your words. We trust your promises. We trust what you're going to do. It's such a huge tension between the two, whether we're in our faith or in our feelings, whether we're going to trust or whether we're going to doubt, but there's so much that hinges on that. And that's why in a passage like this, you see a bunch of people worshiping, but other people doubting, even though they see the same exact thing and have the same experience with the presence of of Jesus, um, and, and it's just amazing. Um, you got to choose to either be a worshiper or a warrior. You got to choose to be a worshiper or a warrior. Again, they're in the same situation. I think some are starting to worry. What, Jesus? You're going? You're not coming back? Wait a minute. And they're already retreating in their faith. They're already worrying. They're already doubting, and it says that they're doubting, and there's others like, you got it covered. You've always had it covered, God. I don't have to understand what this is going to look like when you leave us and go to the Father and send your spirit. There's been nobody in the Bible prior to this that even ever heard language like that. This is how foreign this would have sounded to them. No one in the history of the Old Testament and the New Testament up until this point ever heard of language like this. I am going to my Father, don't worry, I'm sending you the Comforter, the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, who will help you navigate everything. He'll speak to you, he'll show you things. This is a foreign concept. 
the Holy Spirit came upon certain key people for certain key uh, things in the Old Testament. But for Jesus to blanket promise the believers, I'm going, but I'm sending. And I'm, you, 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 you're going to really like this. Life is going to be very different as a community in the Holy Spirit. And they're thinking, what in the world does that look like? Some took it at faith and worshiped. Others stepped back and were worried and they doubted. And that's really what's going on. You got this tension right there. Uh, point number two, if you want to pick up these keys to successful mission, uh, is choose devotion over doubt. Choose devotion over doubt. Hey guys, doubts will come up. Uh, there's a lot of things we just can't figure out. We can't crack the code. And if you're like me, sometimes you try to figure out what God's doing. Sometimes it's very obvious. And other times you're thinking, Lord, what are you doing here? What, what are you going to do with this? And, and it's hard. It's hard to figure out and quantify what is God going to do with this current situation. That's a valid question, valid concern. But what we do with it matters so much. Will we doubt? Will we worry? Or will we worship our way through these things? I'll just suggest to you, the Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord. Cast your cares upon Him. When you take stuff in worship, even though you have those doubts and they're very legitimate, even though you have those pains, even though you have those worries, they're all very legitimate. When you come to God's altar and you come to His throne and you surrender these things to God, He's got an amazing way of changing that disposition of your heart. He's got an amazing way of doing this great exchange of taking away worries and giving faith and taking away doubts and giving clarity. He's got an amazing way of doing that. Or we can retreat and hold on to them ourselves and try to figure this whole thing out, which we probably won't do anyway. And even if you did, it's not necessarily going to help your devotion life. Devotion life is, I'm walking in faith, not feeling. And I don't know the answer to these things, but I'm not going to worry. I'm going to worship. It is a choice. These guys, we see the tension here. It lived in their lives. It can live in our lives too. I love what Jesus says in verse 18. Profound statement. Something that no one else has ever made that ever lived. Buddha, Gandhi, Krishna, uh, Confucius. None of these guys dared make a statement like, like this. Nor were they qualified to. But Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, makes this radical statement. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. All of it. All of it, all the time. All authority on heaven and on earth. The word is a a word for power. It's exousia. Uh, It's this um, authority. It literally means powerful authority. And God, the creator, has authority over all. And Jesus is like, I'm the son. I got it all. I got all the authority. No one else dared make a statement like that. Jesus is like, I got all the authority all the time over everything. You can read Colossians and unpack that a little more. It talks about his authority over everything that ever was and ever will be, that everything was created by him and for him. Everything is subject to Jesus. This is important. You got to know everything is subject to Jesus. You got to know that. You got to know that. If you don't know that this morning, please pray and say, God, if that's true, seal that in my heart. It's what your word says, but help me get this because so much is subject on this. Um, If everything is subject to Jesus, it makes following him a whole lot easier. But if everything is not subject to Jesus, wow, we sure got a battle in front of us, don't we? We sure got to navigate and try really hard. And boy, I hope this works out in faith. I'll just pray. But, But if everything is subject to the one you are following, (laughs) you're in a good place. 
if everything is subject to Jesus, then no weapon formed against you will prosper. Do you see how this works? If everything is subject to Jesus, then greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. If everything is subject against under, under Jesus, then you're on the winning side. And you're just walking it out in faith, but the battle's already declared. You're on the winning side. Do you see how this works? But if everything's not, it's a different story. You've got to come to terms with this in your own life. Everything is, in fact, subject to Jesus. He's given authority over everything all the time. There's not a demon or a principality that can stand against them. Not any time, not any place, not anywhere. And you are his. You are his. Sons and daughters, we are his. You've got to know that it makes following him so much more easy when you know that. But if you don't know that, yes, it's going to be a struggle. It's going to be a real struggle in following the one if you're not sure of his authority. Okay? He's got authority over, over all of it. Um, and so it moves on in verse 19, and, and, and I love this. And he, he says, therefore. Um, therefore, in conclusion, since I have authority over everything that ever was and ever will be, uh, since I came and got in flesh and died on the cross and rose from the grave and I showed you how to live, I showed you how to love, I, I did all these things, because I'm going to be sending you the Holy Spirit as a comforter and I'm wrapping this up, I'm going to go to the Father right now and these are some of the last words that I am saying to you on earth. Therefore, go. Go, G-O. Everybody say go. go. Let's say it again. Go. Really, that's the... That's the part of the movie that if you miss that line, you're like, what happened? It doesn't even look the same. Oh, man, you missed it. What do you mean? You were getting popcorn. You missed, you missed the part that changed the entire narrative of the whole New Testament, and it hinged right on here. Therefore, in conclusion of all this stuff, everything you've read in the four Gospels, that this, this Gospel is wrapping up here in a couple more paragraphs, he's like, in conclusion, Go. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. In conclusion, go. The third point this morning is the Great Commission is not a great suggestion. It really isn't a suggestion. Jesus is like, there's so much riding on this right here. Jesus is like, I came to redeem that which was lost. And I'm still in the business of redeeming that which was lost. But I need to partner with you if you're willing to partner with me. That's the way a world gets redeemed. It doesn't get redeemed by all of us sitting back and going, let's see what you're going to do, God. God's like, I'm going to do, but I partner with people. The whole New Testament is a, a history of God partnering with people just like us. They were no different than us. I mean, they were just like us, where God's like, there's a slice in your society that you're the best person to partner with me to redeem it. Maybe it's with little kids. You can redeem those young hearts. I would love to partner with you. Okay, maybe it's on a corporate boardroom going, oh, they need some redemption there. Will you work with me on that? I would love to partner with you on that one. Sure, God, sign me up. Slices of redemption everywhere in the film industry, in the creative, in the arts, in every kind of sector, there's areas where God wants to redeem, and he's always looking for people to partner with, and he's telling believers, therefore go. The Great Commission is not a great suggestion. Some have said it's become the great omission instead of the great commission, Uh, but it is, in fact, the Great Commission. And this is exciting, guys, because this is where God, the director, taps you on the shoulder and says, hey, psst, this is where you come in. 
to that play, that big narrative, the big Broadway, the open the whole thing is written, and Jesus, the Nazarene, the resurrected one, he's the central character. It's a mesmerizing story. It's a spiritual reality, and you're being tapped on, hey, this is where you come in. This is where you enter the story, right here, right here in a line like this. Therefore, believers, go. It's amazing. Sometimes we wait for people to come to us, but I suggest if we start praying, God's going to say, go to that one. We say come, but he said go. Isn't that interesting? We say come. Just send them, God. It's okay. God, that'll send them. We say come, but he said go. And so we got to find out, figure out, and pray up and go, God, where, where should I go? How should I? Where, where do you want me to go? He might be saying, when you go through the drive-thru at lunch today, you look them right in the eye. And you say, really? Yes. You gotta, we got to start locking in with God. you got to realize he's seeing things on so many levels and dimensions that we're not. And we kind of just go through life in the, in, in the one-dimensional or two-dimensional. And God's looking at it on so many levels. Like, wow, if you, if you would incline your ear to me, if you would incline your heart to me, if you have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to his church, these are the kind of little things we get in on, these little insights to little kingdom snapshots where we get to partner with God and being a life changer. Um, It's really amazing. The mission in the Bible is saying to go make disciples, disciples, uh, to be fishers of men, to reach and help others grow. And that could be at so many different slices in society to, to help reach people, to help grow people. Um, It's really to encourage them to start learning from Jesus, because he, in fact, is the master. He's the teacher. To just encourage them. I I know this has been your worldview, but I want to encourage you to go to the all-knowing one, this Jesus here. Go to the prince. You're looking for peace everywhere? I met him. The prince of peace is his name. I want to encourage you to to meet the prince of peace, uh, the lover of your soul. I I would encourage you to, to meet the one who takes away all the sins and burdens that we've ever had in our life. I want to encourage you to meet the one who gives you eternal life, but also gives you eternal life here and now with his spirit on this planet, which a lot of people are missing out on. Without the spirit of God, we can't discern the things of God. He wants to put his spirit in you. I want to encourage you to meet the king, the master, the Lord, the savior, the lover of your soul. And this introduction to Jesus is in fact our mission and in helping them grow. And we have many different areas. Well, life groups here, we, we, we challenge and grow one another and sharpen one another in our growth in Jesus. More formal levels like Bible studies, uh, our school of ministry is an amazing way to get formal in, in tr- the kind of training that I believe God wants to raise some of you guys up for greater things than what you know but it takes a season of training to kind of get a, a grasp on how to correctly divide the word of truth and not be off on a tangent. I've met some very passionate people who don't have real sound understanding of God's word and th- things can go real sideways out of context. To go through a season of training where you correctly divide the word of truth, understand his heart and understand how God works still through his people. And some of you guys, I really think God's calling you to jump, jump into the school of ministry and to go into some training this way, to be qualified for what he, what he wants to do in our city. Go reach, go teach, and it says to baptize, which, by the way, is always the first act of obedience in a believer's life, this baptism. It's identification with Jesus' death and resurrection, but it's always the first act of obedience. It's the first step of discipleship, really. And so uh, I know we've had baptisms recently, and we're going to be having them again soon. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus or commit your life to him, but you haven't been 
water baptized as an adult, and I mean that as somebody who wasn't sprinkled as a kid, who had no idea what they were doing, but somebody who says, no, I'm making my choices for my own life, no one can make them for me, and I'm committing to follow Jesus. If that's you, and you haven't been water baptized, stay tuned, we'll be having another one soon, and we really love you to take that step of, of discipleship. And Jesus concludes here in verse 29, and this, I, I love this, he says, um, and surely, most assuredly, you got to know this, surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Literally, I am with you every single day for the rest of your life. What Jesus is saying here, he's saying to us, he's saying, I am still on my mission. Jesus is saying, I'm still on mission. I'm asking you to join me. That's what he's saying here. The mission of Jesus has never gone away. I am with you always. In fact, the fact that he promises, I am with you always, Jesus is saying, I will be with you every day of your life for this mission I have for you, for this journey. And that is why it's called the great co-mission. Co-mission. When you have a pilot, you also have a a co-pilot. You have a pilot and a co-pilot. Jesus is like, I'm on mission, but it's a great co-mission. I am going to go with you always. We're going to do this thing together. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'm going to go with you. This is really important because sometimes we think we're going alone, and that can be a little disheartening or really uncertain. But if you know you're going with Jesus like he promised, it's a whole different reality. He's saying it's a great co-mission. And I'd encourage you to not look at this like something you have to do. Look at this like it's something you get to do. Not something you have. What do I got to do, pastor? telling me I got to do a great commission. No, no. You get to do this. If Jesus was ready to take a jet plane from here and he's flying to Europe and he said, hey, you want to fly with me? Where are you going to go? Yeah, I got to fly with Jesus today. You know, I could jump in the cockpit with Jesus. And it's like, are you kidding me? It's like, I get to fly with Jesus? We're gone. We're off. You're going to fly with the master. Go, can, can, I, can I take the, I'll just watch you if you want, Jesus, whatever. However you want to do this, I just want to fly with you, Jesus. Can I ask you some questions? You, you and I get to do this. It's not that we have to do this. We, we get to do this. And I'll tell you, this is where lives change. When we get to partner with Jesus, because it's not by strength or might, it's by the power of the Spirit, says the Lord. We can't change a life. We can't. We don't have the experience to change a life. But he will do things with us and in, in conjunction with us in this co-mission. And this is where all the changes happen. In the rest of the story, after this, what Jesus said, the rest of the story in the entire Bible is not the priesthood or the prophet only, like you'd see in the, in, in the Old Testament or the king or the... It's all the people of God becoming the priesthood of believers because the Spirit of God has mobilized us to change the world. Rome got changed from the inside out people like you and me. And our city, LA, will get changed from the inside out by people like you and me. That's the heart of God. That's what he does. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and together. That's still his heart. He hasn't changed his heart. He hasn't changed his, his mission, his vision for a city. He's still the same. Um, you know, it's amazing how God works. This week, uh, I had a really busy week, and maybe you've done things like this where you know you've got a lot going on, but there's something asked of you, and you have to do something else, but you know you're so busy, you really got to work on what you need to do, but for some reason, maybe 
you're being pulled in another direction. It can be a little tension with that. I had a real busy week, a lot going on. Christy was about to go to speak at a retreat and trying to wrap up the busy week here. I was asked to go to Santa Monica for a meeting and it was going to be an all day meeting. And I'm like, man, I need to be here, but I got to go that way. You know what I mean? You've been there, right? So I go to this place in Santa Monica and I I go to park down on the lower level parking. And as I get out of my uh, truck to walk over to the elevator, there's cars there, but no people. And all of a sudden, as I'm walking to this single elevator, uh, there's this really big guy with no neck uh, walking towards the elevator and he's huffing. Really angry, really bent out of shape. And as we're walking towards this elevator, and I realize we're about to get on this, it's going to be like a Captain America scene uh, in a minute. Um, As we're ready to get on this elevator, the natural part of me would think, well, stop, step back, you know, it looked like he had something in his hand, I was trying to see what it is, you know, The, the natural part of me, I clear as day heard the voice of God say, check in on him, check in on him. I don't even speak that way, so I'm Check in on him, okay. So I said, hey, how you doing today, man? He's not good. I'm like, can I ask you what's, uh, what's going on? He said, I got, I got a lot on my mind. I got a lot on my mind. I'm like, okay, the door opens. We get in. What, what's, what's the biggest thing on your mind right now? Can I ask you that? Yeah. My father's health, it's failing. I just came up from down south. I'm trying to take care of him. He missed his meds, all these other things. And, and I got a lot on my mind and I'm trying to do all this stuff. And, and I, I sit and as, the, as we get to the top floor and the door opens, we step outside. He's sharing these things. I said, can I, can I just pray for you right now? He's like, what? Can I pray for you right now? Uh, yeah. I said, you know what? The Bible says honor your mother and father. That's what you're doing. You're driving up here. You're trying to honor your father. God is pleased with you. You need to know that. Can I just pray with you right now? Because he just wants to take all this anxiety away and give you some peace. I don't know this guy. I'll never see him again. But I just laid hands on him right in that outdoor corridor and prayed for this guy. And when he got done, he's got tears in his eyes. like, thank you, man. It's changed my day. It's changed my, you know what I mean? And I'm like, it's, it's a little encounter. Give God the glory. You and I don't have anything to change life. But God does. But we got to first be where he wants us to be. And when he gives us that tap and says, hey, psst, this is where you come in. We at least got to go, I don't know what to do, but here goes, God. What is it? And so I just trust we'll have stories like that all around us if we are willing to partner with God. He sees brokenness on every single level, and he's got compassion. Even when we're not seeing it, guys, we're not clocking it. People are going through stuff we don't even know. All around, on your job, workplace, family, neighbor, everything, God's like, I see the pain and 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 my heart breaks for them. Who will go for us? And like Isaiah, somebody finally goes, here am I, send me. Guys, the next wave of evangelism, the next wave of revival will not be like the last one. The next wave of revival will be different. In fact, when you look at all the different revivals, they had some things in common, a fresh reading of the word, a fresh love for God and prayer, right? But the way they actually manifest, the actual revivals, took on different forms and different shapes. And I think God does this so we don't put it in a box and come up with the five rules. And if you follow these five rules, you're going to get the same. It doesn't really work that way. God's like, I'm doing a new thing. Do you perceive it? I I believe God moving through his people, like he says he will in the book of Acts, is a way, and my sons and daughters will prophesy. There'll be visions, there'll be dreams. There's perspectives of God. Would you show me, God? I don't know. Yes, would you tell that person this? Okay. I already know 
recently people's lives have been changed and come to faith because God intersected their life with something that could not be normally known by you and I. It's just God's nature. We shouldn't be afraid of that. We shouldn't be afraid of that kind of stuff. Um, I just want to wrap up on this part. If, uh, if the worship team come up, that would be great. You know, if God can change life in an elevator like that for somebody, uh, he can do it anytime for any, any of us. And, and that there, therein lies the beauty of the Great Commission. It's not something we have to do. It's something we, we get to do. Um, but God is saying this is where you come in. He's saying that we're ambassadors for Christ, that we're a priesthood, that we're ministers of the gospel of reconciliation, that we're imitators of God. And so if the last point this morning, if you're a note taker, is that our mission, our mission is an extension of Jesus's mission. It's already his mission, but our mission becomes an extension of Jesus's mission. That's the way the entire book of Acts is. All these people who are on mission, which is clearly just an extension of Jesus's mission. And that's why it's a co-mission. You and I, together with Jesus, partner with him on his mission, and it becomes a great co-mission. Um, you know, when I was praying, um, in summary, I was praying about this message and um, just saying, Lord, what is, um, what is your heart? Is there something unique you want to speak to your church on this? on this message, and the Lord reminded me that the, um, the message never changes. The good news of Jesus Christ, there's a lot of good news in the book, by the way, if you read the New Testament, there's a whole lot of good news in there. The message never changes. We, we don't change the message, but the methods, the methods always change. The methods always change. When Paul went to the um, Pharisees, he, he presented it this way. When he went to the Greeks, he presented it this way. Uh, and you look at the way it got rolled out, the way it got presented, the message never changes, but the methods do in fact change. And I was just praying about that. And I just sensed the Lord say, remind people that they are very uniquely made. Every one of us is fearfully and wonderfully made, very uniquely made. We're not cookie cutter people, nor did God ever design uh, his believers or d- uh, want the believers, the followers of Jesus to be cookie cutter. You look at the apostles, they're so diverse. You got zealots who are like, they want to overthrow the government. You got fishermen. You got, I mean, accountant, tax collector. I mean, you got this diversity of people. God is really good with that. Uh, the message never changes. The methods do. But since you're uniquely made, I believe God is calling us to a unique expression of the display of his good news. When I was praying about this, I really sensed God saying that he's giving you permission for a unique expression of his great commission the expression of that commission can be unique. And I think some just need to know that God's giving you that permission because we wonder, well, do I, what do I got to do? Do I got to read what Peter did? Do I got to do it the way Peter did? Repent, turn, be baptized, every one of you. Do I got to do that? Is that the part that I do exactly that way or do I do it the way? No, there's a unique expression. You know the story of Jesus' redemption in your life? You've sensed it, you've been through it? Beautiful. Make a unique presentation of that. It's the message doesn't change, but the methods do. And I believe the uniqueness God wants to display through us in all sorts of things. I really sense he's calling our church to create more media content and start putting out all kinds of stuff that points to Jesus and his glory. A lot of creative things, a lot of things that we're already starting on, but I believe he wants to do so many more things because so many people spend their life on a device and that becomes the way now of being fishers of men. That becomes the way of throwing nets. Do you realize that? 
You can't even pump gas at a gas station without watching something now. It's just that it's content. And so why aren't we leveraging that all for the glory of God? I, I really believe there's going to even be some more unique display of that. But I believe God wanted to remind you that you have permission for a unique expression in his, in his great commission. And maybe for some of you, that's a good word. It's a liberating word. And maybe some of you already function that way. But I think it's important to know that God wants us to leverage our experiences, our talents, our resources for his glory this way. So pray about what your slice in this great, beautiful display of the Great Commission, how you get to partner with Jesus on his mission and how it's going to look different. It won't look like a Great Commission of the 1950s. It won't look like one of the 1800s. It won't look like one of the first century, except for the fact that there's a love for Jesus and people partnering with him. And it makes sense, translates into the times, amen? translates into the times. That's one thing that's going to overarch. So I just want to close in prayer on that. Ask God to seal some of these things in our heart. Mighty God, we, we love you. We thank you for your word, the power of it, God. I thank you for this uh, transformation passage, God, where people uh, came to terms that you said, huh, I love you. I've got authority on all, but boy, I've got a bigger plan for you. Girl, I got a bigger plan for you. I want you to know, tag, you are it. I want you to know, this is where you come in. And Lord, I just pray, God, that we would fully take hold of that for which you took hold of us. There's a greater display. And when we partner with you, great things happen. It even changes us, Lord. I, I was changed when I had that encounter with that, with that gentleman on the bottom of a parking garage in an elevator. I was changed. It changed my whole week. And, and I just, we get changed. They get changed. You just show up, God. So I just pray we would be people that are willing to take you into the workplace, you said go. I pray that right now for everyone in this room, in the workplace, that you would show us who. And we wouldn't just wait for them to come, that we would go. And I don't know what we're going to say just yet, but I pray you're going to show us what to say and how to love them and how to encourage them and point them to you or pray, start praying for them, whoever it is, God. I just pray you would give us a, a, a radical strategy, that you would give us a holy radar and that we would begin to see transformation in front of our own eyes. And I just pray in this church, God, there would be more and more testimony of what you are doing among us. You are, in fact, the living God. We believe that. We thank you for it. Do great things, God. Turn our city upside down for your namesake. Be glorified. We thank you for these things and what you want to do. This has been a presentation of Valley Metro Church. We pray that this message has blessed you. To hear more messages or to support future podcasts, please visit us at valleymetrochurch.com.